Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is December the 20th, 2019. Strong hand, Bitcoin is next, Bitcoin in motion. And all three of these guys are in motion. And they're going to be talking about what they're doing out in the space today. One Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. Offended by selling. All right, everyone. You are unique beast. Hello, you unique beast. Hello, my elite friends. We've got some elite friends here on the show today. We got Juan Galt, we got Phil, and we've got Anders. They're all over the place. They're going to be talking about their projects. Hey, everybody, remember Twitter, I'm TechBall. These guys, all of their connections are linked to below. Oh, yeah, they've got a lot of links below. So check them out. We're going to start off with something that people have been yentaing about on uh, crypto Twitter this week. Uh, it's one of my favorite subjects. Is the having priced in or not? There are people that are starting because the having is 180 days away, something like that. Oh, it's, it's coming up. We're almost in 2020. Wow. Uh, but there's some people that say the halving isn't priced in. There's some people, a lot of people are saying the halving is priced in. Now, I'm one of those guys that is screaming to the rooftops and saying it's not priced in. Now, we've got someone out here, my buddy Adam, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago. He uh, reminds us, and it's linked to below, something that Dan Hell just said. Uh, the halving is priced in for current believers but not for future ones. All right, Phil, what do, what do you think the situation is here? I don't think the happening is priced in at all because Bitcoin isn't priced in. So for me, uh, maybe that makes sense uh, that, that the happening is priced in for me personally, but that's because I refuse to trade any of my Bitcoin for fiat currency or any other currencies. Um, so I think to Dan's point, maybe it makes sense that for strong hands, the happening is priced in because we know the true value of Bitcoin. And uh, <laughs> friends don't let friends sell Bitcoin. So absolutely not. The happening is not priced in. Um, I'm holding. Uh, I would recommend that you hold as well. Yes. Uh, the, the masses... They don't grasp Bitcoin yet. I think that's what Dan Held was trying to say. So if most people don't know, then the market hasn't priced it in. That's what I'm saying. But as individuals, we know, like, again, I, I was talking on my show the other day. I, I will never sell a Bitcoin for uh, below $20,000. I mean, already in my mind, it's one one is worth 20 because we were already there before. Uh, Anders, what's your theory on this? Yeah, absolutely. The, the having is not priced in at all whatsoever. Um, things, this whole thing about knowledge being priced in uh, only exists theoretical in, in books um, where, where we say that the market is perfect and information is perfect, but information and understanding and interpretation of that information is not at all perfect. Um, we have not even one percent of the world's population knows that there is a having coming up and uh even less than that understanding what it does um you could also say look the stock to flow model very nicely predicts uh from plan b very nicely predicts extremely nicely predicts the price of bitcoin um but and with a very high uh statistical you know security but we're we are not trading Bitcoin for you know ten million, even though we're gonna get there. So if if we are pricing in future like knowledge, it would we already be there, uh, and it's not. So it, 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 things uh, the having is not priced in because it takes time for the knowledge and understanding to spread from word of mouth from people to people. It's it's that human factor that just means that. Um, it's not there uh, at all. And uh, it, it starts to kick in once the supply is cut in half. Well, flesh, fresh supply is, is cut in half because there's always the supply of Bitcoin selling at any time, of course. Um, but fresh uh, 
supply when that is cut in half, that will start to slowly drive the price higher. Um, and um, well, the the first having it started to be pre-run or front-run about six months earlier. Uh, the second one, 12 months earlier. This current one, the price bottomed out and started to move higher 16 months earlier. So, you know, more and more people get it, but does the entire world's population know it and are able to price it in now? Not at all, because then we would be at, you know, above 20 million US dollar per Bitcoin. Whoa, pound that like button, people. Remember, you guys can ask questions of the panel today, too. Just type in Bitcoin Meister or do a super chat so I can see it. All right, Juan, uh, let's see how good your internet is now. What What are you thinking about this? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm generally with, with you guys. Uh, I don't think it's priced in. And one of the things to keep in mind here is that we went, uh, we did a 20x in, in price over the past uh, bull market, past two, three years, and the volumes are much higher. Um, it may just be that we've escaped that that sort of small market we were in, right? Uh, pricing in uh, the, the happening five years ago with with the small community libertarians and and and, and venture capitalists and technologists, maybe that maybe that moved the price. But today we're pay, we're playing in, in a much bigger game, right? Um, there's a much bigger game now. There's also futures trading and 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 all that. And, and you know, you get back and you got the CB CBOE and um, so I, I think. I think the reality is we won't see a big move in price until the supply actually gets cut in half. Um, I'm not like my opinion of the sentiment is that the sentiment is not where it was uh, during the bull market, uh, the run up from 500 to 20,000. I mean, I remember the energy that I felt back then and it was, um, you know, the FOMO was everywhere, right? Like to me, it was it, it's, it's a feeling that I'm describing, but it was very clear to me that we went in a bull market. I don't feel that right now. And I think it may just be because to some degree the, the, the memes are contained to Twitter. The memes are contained to certain circles in Telegram, sort of small circles. I don't, it doesn't seem to me like we're breaking into mainstream media. We're not really breaking into the news cycle that much. It's a lot of attention going to politics. And I mean, maybe I'm just not paying enough attention, but I think it seems to me like I don't see that many news articles from mainstream media about Bitcoin anymore. And it's probably because there's a lot of focus on American politics right now. So I'd like to see more stuff happening in Hong Kong. I'd like to see more, more attention go into it. But I think this might be uh, like my feeling, my sense of it right now is that we might, we might actually have to wait until the actual happening for, that, for that, that, that effect on the price to actually take hold. I will say that, yeah, I don't think the having hype has started yet, but the media will write about it eventually. They'll get tired about of writing about uh, the, sure. the politics. I'd say. So, what do you? We we actually uh, just a couple of days ago. Speaking of price, and I don't like to talk about price very much, but it was an anniversary, a notable anniversary. Uh, two years since the all time high price. <laughs> Does it feel like two years, Juan? What, what do you What do you have? Uh, any thoughts about that? That's wild. No, it doesn't feel like two years to me. Um, it feels like yesterday. I'm still coming off the high of twenty thousand. You know. I still feel like I'm like I'm rich, but maybe you know maybe got to start hodling more, <laughs> start hodling more. So um, I don't know. I think um, yeah, I think I think we're in for a little bit more of 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 sideways, and uh, I'm not feeling the the big bullish momentum yet. The big sentiment. Did, did that num since since we're one day closer to an all time high? Bitcoin always returns to its all time high. In in your hodl mentality, in your hold mentality, uh, are you? Does that number stick out in your mind, that previous all-time high? Does that, like, give you, like, a base layer, like, what you won't sell under? I mean, like I, that that's my mm -hmm. opinion. I mean, it, that number is stuck in my head. Like, we'll get yeah. there again type of thing. Well, the price does look like we're in the, that capitulation stage, right? So we had the big run-up, a big correction, and then now we're – it does seem like we're in that, that uh, accumulation stage. Sorry, that accumulation stage. Um so I'm hodling. I don't want to sell any of it. I definitely think it's it's uh, it's a good time to dollar cost average in uh, this this little bubble we had this this sort of micro bubble we had the past year uh, is very strange to me and, and it's behaved I think different than the past sort of bull markets because the 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 speed at with which it went up was uh, it caught me off guard. It was it was really amazing how fast it went, and now we're on now we're going back down. You know so. There's a lot of velocity right now. I think one of the things that I heard on online recently was that the bridges 
to to the Bitcoin marketplace are bigger than they've ever been by like orders of magnitude bigger, right? But so so whenever the people decide to come, they're gonna come in huge hordes, right? But they're just not coming yet. And I think we can see that in the massive volatility. We had a like a two-day 40% sort of movement right recently. And that was that was very eye-opening to me as to the, the speed with which things can go up. But there just has to be a good enough sort of uh, prime for that. Yeah, I, I will say that price spike we had during the spring or the summer, that was an anomaly. That that was not, that didn't happen in 2015, something like that. That if this if my my whole theory is every Every four years, it's basically the same thing, 210,000 block theory. So we didn't have something like that, but whatever, it happened. And I agree with you. There are not many new people coming in right now. It's just That's just the fact. But hey, once they come in, it'll be easy for them to come in because the on-ramps are there. Uh, Phil, your, your thoughts on the, the two-year anniversary or anything that we just talked about? Yeah, from my perspective, I think we're, we're actually starting to see, uh, I agree with Juan, we're, we're in a heavy accumulation phase. And the things that I look at that um, make me feel a lot better about it is like things like backed volume hitting all-time highs or, um, you know, the Argentina local Bitcoins volume hitting all-time high. And then um, just like a from a, you know, Unchained Capital perspective, you know, we, we work with a lot of hodlers and there's a new wave of people who are coming for service that got into Bitcoin or learned about Bitcoin about a year ago. And to them, you know, the price has doubled, right? Even at 7,000 or whatever it is, like they've doubled their money in a year. And so they're very excited about Bitcoin. So I can just see the new hodlers being forged. Um, and it, uh, yeah, it makes me really optimistic for the future. I think, you know, it's like you mentioned, just a matter of time until we hit that all time high. And so what I'm doing personally is stacking sats as, as often as I can. So, you know, holiday purchases, stack some sats. Uh, don't like a tweet from Paul Krugman, stack some sats. Uh, pretty much, you know, just whenever I can uh, toss some more uh, dollars into sats, that's what I'm doing. And I think, uh, I think I'm, I'm very optimistic, obviously, but uh, I see it in the sentiment, I think, on, on social media as well as the institutional um, uh, sentiment, like, through things like CMEs and, and backed. Do you do you see people getting distracted? Some of the long term people with there's a lot of noise out there about people uh, wanting to do things with their Bitcoin other than hold it. Like there seem to be a lot of uh, companies pro- popping up now uh, that are offering interest. There did lots of different ways to, to give away your Bitcoin and to supposedly get interest. Do, do, do you see that growing? Do you see people getting a little antsy? Is that directed to me? Yeah, Phil. Yeah. 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 So, um, I mean, I think I think that there what we're seeing is that there is a present and future demand for Bitcoin financial services. Um, so, I, you know, good or bad, like, you know, lending out your Bitcoin for interest, regardless of your your individual opinion on it, like other people are demanding those services. And so what what I think we have to do as Bitcoiners now is figure out well, what's the best, safest, most secure way to offer those services? Um, you know, some of the companies have set up the sort of traditional account structure. Other companies are taking a different approach, trying to give private key ownership um, the, its place. Okay. Uh, Anders, we just talked about a lot. I'm sure you've got some thoughts on the two-year anniversary sure. or anything we talked about. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, the, the two-year anniversary, yeah, it... Um, the thoughts and feelings, because there's definitely were yeah a lot of emotions uh, at that stage, are still fresh at, in, in mind. So in that way, it, it doesn't seem like two years ago. Um, I'm just happy that uh, that long bear market, which at that stage I did not anticipate. It didn't. It wasn't until uh, a year ago that it became clear to me how the the bull and the bear swings around the havings, which is what I really love to focus on now because it's just, I feel so predictable um, and um, it, it, you know, can help people, uh, you know, when to stack sats heavily and when, when maybe not to stack sats so heavily and the Maya multiple is um, um, great for, for, for signal, signaling when to, when to buy and when not to buy. I think personal opinion, not advice. Um, and uh, it, it was good to see that, you know, December last year, 12 months ago, it bottomed 
out Bitcoin. In January, the the low was higher than it was in December. So we've, despite having a run up this summer that we've come down from, it's we're still up that hundred percent as as Phil mentioned, um, in one year. And that's I mean, try and find any other asset that's up a hundred percent. That is you know pretty phenomenal. And uh, to me, it's quite predictable that you know, we we're now in the um, um, having coming up um i feel quite certain personally what's going to happen um the, the way it happens is as yuan said um it is first an accumulation phase so this this whole thing of you know approaching the having the price historically and as it's doing now is coming up but it's not going 400 percent a year it's gone up 100 percent a year um and then after the having, it starts to go faster, and then eventually you have the the FOMO top. So it's really like a, a long um, ski jump or, or ramp now, and it just feels great that you know the ramp is 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 happening. We are going up, and I feel it's pretty predictable what's going to happen until approximately one and a half years after the having, because the two previous havings had their FOMO top approximately one and a half years after the halving. There is, of course, the chance that the halving or the FOMO market will be front run and therefore it will happen sooner and then die off uh, sooner as well. So maybe the top is going to be 12 months instead of one and a half years. Um, honestly, that's what I thought. And I know Plan B also wrote about that um, with the peak this summer. I was thinking, okay, this whole having is being front run a lot earlier. It's getting real steep, real fast. But uh, that wasn't the case. We came down back to earth, and I can just say we can really um, apparently trust the Maya multiple because uh, that actually became, uh, you know, it came in red territory. It became above two, uh, which is normally a uh, a sell signal, you know. Or, take some chips off the table and have them for a day where the Maya multiple goes below one. Um, and um, to just comment further on that, um, then when you look at history throughout and, and look at the Maya multiple, uh, anytime, yeah, it goes above two is the time that you should be taking a little bit chips off the table. Uh, and when the Maya multiple goes below 0.6 or 0.7, you're at a stage where it's really like you should start considering liquidating almost any asset you have and get in because those are the rare, rare opportunities and is never failed um, to give amazing returns. Those are the best, best times to purchase a lot of sats. Um, so um, I, I think right now and i i have this side open so i have it live so right now the maya multiple is 0 0.77 so very near to the point where it's like okay let's you know let me sell my car and buy a bicycle and then you know put a little uh, get a little get a little, get a little extra sats um we're very near that and it's less than five months to the having you know it's it's like it's four and a half months within and a few days uh, to this major, major driver of of um, bull market uh, that is unseen in other assets, um, to me, it's it's um, uh, it's phenomenal that we can be right now at, at this price, just seven thousand two hundred, may a multiple this low. The having is right there; we can almost touch it, and we know what's going to happen. And, you know, if there was a really, really good reason that the price of Bitcoin was down, sure, I would understand that people were nervous. But when you think about it and you look around, there's not a single reason at all that the price of Bitcoin is down. Um, so there's really, in my opinion, nothing to be worried about. And um, it, it's just, uh, you know, the time to remember to be greedy when others are fearful. And then when others are greedy, uh, greedy and the mayor multiple is above two, you might want to sell a little bit at two hundred thousand because you want to buy it back up at at fifty thousand or something like that. You know, after the next bull run and bear market, if that happens in that order. 
All right. Mayor multiple being tossed in there. I like that. Pound that like button. Now, there is a you, you may, should I, should, oh, yes. I'm so sorry, but maybe I should just explain to if there's any of you viewers that don't know what the mayor multiple is, but is basically the the current price, today's price of Bitcoin divided by the average price of Bitcoin the last 200 days. So if if the, the average price the last 200 days is 10,000, and right now we are at 5,000, the mayor multiple would be a half. Just, just to throw that in to make sure that everyone knows that. Yes, very good FYI there for everyone. Now, something else that you said during your talk there was uh, that you know, uh, other assets would love to do as well as uh, Bitcoin has uh, dur during this year. It, it's it's doubled in value since the beginning. Now, we've got a question. And uh, th this week, there, there was uh, a tweet floating around about how uh, since in, in this decade, since we're approaching the end of the decade, whatever way you want to define a decade is, we're, 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 we're about to enter the 2020s, in other words. Uh, the Bitcoin just 90,000x or something, and, and gold did a 1.5x. I, I don't even know. It wasn't even comparable. It's unbelievable, the difference between the two. But the question from the audience here that I, I, I want, uh, that Guy Bennett sent $5.00. He says, what is the panel's, and thank you, Guy, what is the panel's view about Bitcoin's value when its inflationary rate drops below golds and heads towards zero? Juan, what do, what do you think about that? You got me? Oh, this, yeah. You asked me? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what to say other than that. That it's going to get really hard to get Bitcoin and uh, it's going to be, you know, people are going to be asking for a lot of money for it. Um, it is a very, it's a very special characteristic of Bitcoin that it has a, a, a fundamentally scarce supply, right? There's, um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know what else to say other than that. Yeah. The price should go up. Assuming demand is the same, right? This is, I, 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 I tweeted about this a little bit recently is that the, the, we have the rocket ship. You know, we know the tar we know where the goal is, right? The infrastructure is built, the supply is scarce, but the fuel is demand, right? And I think I think the demand will continue to grow slowly, but um, as it has so far. But uh, that's an important part of it too. Like people, people need to know what why Bitcoin matters, and to some degree, the price will influence that, right? As the price bill goes up, it's a self fulfilling FOMO prophecy, right? Just that how it's been since the beginning, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think we know what's going to happen Phil, in theory, you, right? Yeah. Yes, in, in th definitely. Uh, Phil, your, your, your thoughts on that. Well, I published about a month ago, an article called all 21 million Bitcoin already exist. So from my perspective, Bitcoin has zero inflation because we have nearly perfect knowledge of any sort of upcoming supply that's locked away in uh, in Coinbase transaction headers, um, so and, and that's why, to me personally, um, you know this this whole concept of Bitcoin having inflation doesn't make sense because everyone knows that the supply is twenty one million. Um, yeah, people can't access some of the supply right now, but people also can't access Satoshi's supply. So you know we know we know we have downward selling pressure based on miners uh, spending electricity to find those blocks. Um, but yeah, I don't view it as as inflationary even today. I think that Bitcoin, um, you know, solved the problem of scarcity by defining the total supply of BTC that are available. And then there's just two ways that people can transact: either by broadcasting transactions and signing with the public uh, private key, or by selling hashed electricity to the network in this form of mining and competing with other people who are doing so. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that there is inflation. I think what we are seeing is that uh, the people who understand Bitcoin today have a massive, massive advantage uh, in terms of knowledge about what has happened over people who don't quite understand Bitcoin yet or understand um, the monetary properties of Bitcoin. And so that's that's really where we, you know, where we have to focus our time and energy is educating people about uh, yeah, this this phenomenon that has occurred, which is Bitcoin solving that problem of digital scarcity. All right, Anders, I don't know if you had any comments on uh, on that question. 
if you do, you can say something. But I, I actually had another question for you. So, uh, uh, okay. It, um, all right. But in that case, uh, I, it, if you want to uh, shoot another question to me, um, let's do that. I just want to say shout out to Guy Bennett and thanks for sending the five bucks to you sponsoring the show. I know, uh, Guy, we. We've been communicating um, and and talking sometimes um, after he saw me on your show earlier, and uh, he's a good guy. Uh, so shout out to him, and yeah, yeah, shoot me with another question. Oh yeah, guy is awesome. Pound that like button for Guy Bennett. He's a longtime uh, supporter here. All right, so the the question is this: There, what, what uh, we we heard some news this week. Uh, someone on Binance tried to uh, remove their Bitcoin and send it to a Wasabi wallet. And Binance said, oh no, and sent the guy a lot of questions. And so there's, uh, it's linked to below what exactly happened. We actually talked about it on, I talked about it on yesterday's show. He got KYC'd up the yin yang there uh, because he was sending it to, he, he thought the Bitcoin was his and he was sending it to a Wasabi wallet. He was shocked they knew he was sending it to a Wasabi wallet. Anders, uh, you and I actually sent some messages back and forth about this. What, 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 what? And you brought up BISC, which was I thought was great. I forgot to bring it up on yesterday's show. So, what do you have to say about that situation? Yeah. Um. I'm okay. Wait. Let me just. Um. Well. First of all, it's. Uh, it, I guess it's. It's really. Um. It's totalitarian. Um. But it's. It's because. Our society is 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 moving towards being more and more totalitarian um, with surveillance, and um, I, I kind of uh, you know you can't blame finance. Like I understand why they do it. I I totally don't like that they do it, um, but they are being held responsible by the main mafia. Uh, the main mob in the room, which is the government. Uh, so if they cannot explain uh, user uh, user behavior of funds to the government, they might get their exchange uh, shut down. Uh, so I do not like what Binance is doing or any other uh, exchange that shuts down accounts uh, because of this. And uh, I can mention Cash App as another one. I had an account on Cash App and they closed down my account. Um, they didn't even want to give me a um, a reason, but uh, well, Wasabi Wallet seems like it could be um, a, a perfect explanation in coin joining. Um, so uh, obviously, it's it's something that um, I'm against, and I think it's very important that we as people in general understand the importance of uh, not being surveilled by uh, our governments. To this extent, because this um, massive surveillance that we're living under that is really just increasing means that um, the people in power will always have a, a an, um, um, an advantage to any of their political opponents and can can cause harm to their political opponents, can uh, you know shut down funds for their political opponents, and even in in so-called democracies. Uh, you know, this is a problem. Um, I've had a uh, an account with Bank of America that was frozen for no reason, no reason given, um, and it took forever to unfreeze it. No, no reason given, um, uh, and I'm not. You know, at that time, I didn't even know Bitcoin. Um, I, I was uh, like, I don't, I, I, I can't see how in any way I could cause a red flag in any way. Um, so I, I think it's it's important that we uh, try to avoid these situations um, and fight against it. However, the only way really you can fight against something like that is is by doing, um, like I, I said yesterday to you, um, peer to peer trading. Um, if if you want to avoid this, which we do, you need to do peer to peer trading of your Bitcoin. Um, you you need to find uh, if you need to buy uh, you need to find your seller uh, peer to peer if you want to sell you need to find a buyer peer to peer and uh, as you yeah we spoke about BISC is is one example it's a decentralized exchange so um, using that um, where where BISC 
because it's decentralized, it's not, um, you know, the government can't interfere. So there's no pressure on them to shut down anyone because they're using privacy methods to handle their money. Um, then uh, a BISC and other decentralized exchanges uh, would be the way we would have to go, um, I guess. And I, I know there's a lot of also um, Bitcoin trading at, you know, meetups. You know, some people want to sell there, some people want to buy. Um, yeah. And then I still recommend when you trade with someone, you should still use the, the Wasabi or others coin joins before and after basically clean your coins, not because you're doing anything illegal, but otherwise it's very easy for them to find out uh, how much you're sitting on and you don't want, uh, you know, other people to know what you have because that could be a liability in terms of, you know, kidnapping or uh, whatever. All right. Uh, the, the important thing, well, I just say don't trade at all, but some people have to trade. And so a hey, BISC isn't going to say to you, Hey, we don't like you where you're about to send your Bitcoin to. That they're not that that's not how it works. That's the thing. You you control that, all right? So that that's something to 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 important to remember, the difference between when you're dealing with a centralized exchange and something like BIS. They're going to whenever you're sending your Bitcoin off of these exchanges, it's I mean, they're in control of your Bitcoin at that point. So they 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 yes. they, give the, they give the go ahead. So if they don't like that address, if they suspect anything, they can just cut it off. BIS does yeah not actually like it's it's back to the good old um i don't remember who invented it but um not your keys not your bitcoin and uh, if if your bitcoin is on finance or if on cash app or anywhere else um that is no longer your bitcoin what what you have is an uh, iou from that exchange that they're meant to send that to you but they all of a sudden you know it's up to their discretion because that's in their, their, their um, terms and, and conditions that it's up to their discretion whether they you know, want to uh, keep your account open or not. Um, so, um, yeah, not your, not your keys, not your Bitcoin. Not your coins, exactly, exactly. Uh, Ro Roman Q said this real quick. Would bouncing the uh, UTXOs around a few times before sending to Wasabi uh, break the heuristic? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, wouldn't it? And but it doesn't. I mean, the the the, the, no. the point the point is is that you if you really control your own Bitcoin, you should be able to send it anywhere immediately without being stopped. So, uh, like, what what the simple answer could have been for the guy to just send it to his own some address somewhere else from Binance, and then you know bounce it around a few times, and then and then send it. To, to the uh, wasabi, but, but I mean, but it, it, it's the larger point here. It, it's it's the bigger point here. Not your uh, Bitcoin, not your not your uh, key, not your coin. Yeah, Anders is trying to say something there. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't think that will fix it because it's it's very easy for them to see that. Okay, it goes from one address to another to another to another. Fine, and then boom, it's been coin joined. You know, with thousands of addresses. Now that's that's pretty easy to see what's going on. Um, it's e that, so it's easy so that's. I mean, it's easy to see, but you would have been able to get your, uh, for me, the, I was thinking you'd be able to get your money off of Binance, at least. They couldn't stop you at that point. That, that That's, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really strange how, how that worked. Um, if you don't mind me jumping in here, like, real quick. Cause, sure. Because, you know, it, as far as I understand, Wasabi Wallet, it just creates uh, BEC32 addresses, you know? And, and when you copy paste the back 32 address into Binance, you're not giving them the IP of the server that's running the node of Wasabi. Well, you're just giving them a back 32 address. So the only way that they could have known, because like like green address does back 32, right? There's other wallets that do back 32. So the only way that they could have noticed is if he previously withdrew money to a back 32, ran it through the mixer, and they were keeping an eye on that, and then he withdrew to another back 32, exactly. and they're like, okay, this he could be repeating his behavior. Yes. So I mean, I have a lot to say about this, but I, I'll let you I'll let you finish your talk. But it, it, exactly, I, I think from what I read on on Twitter, that was exactly what had happened. Like it, it's not the it's not the first time when you get it just sent to to one address in a Wasabi wallet um, that it happens. But when they've seen it happen before, um, I believe that was the the, the case. Okay, Phil, Phil, you haven't chimed in on this yet. What do you think? 
Well, I think uh, there's a there's a great quote from uh, a cypherpunk that is privacy is something that should be selectively revealed to the world. So we should each individually have the option uh, whether or not we want to give up personal information. And I think one of the biggest problems here is that finance uh, sort of jumped one of their customers. Like they, the customer didn't understand that this was something that finance was going to track in advance and then the customer was punished for it. So in that scenario, like that customer didn't selectively choose to reveal that level of privacy. And that's where I think the issue pops up. I mean, I think ultimately what we have to do as Bitcoiners is um, mix more, like mix all the coins and then also choose to work with companies that respect that level of, of privacy um, so that you're not surprised. You know, if you if you're working with a company, it's almost certain that you're giving up some level of anonymity. Um, but just make sure that it's very clear how you're going to be tracked or how your Bitcoin are going to be tracked as they move to move around. And then I'm just a big fan of of mixing and wasabi in general because it's nobody's business what are what's happening with the coins unless you as an individual choose to share that. All right. Let, let, this is actually yeah. a time, a good time. Oh, wait, wait. Someone else about to say something there? Yeah, yeah I, I, I just want to say one last. Oh, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll, I'll just do it real quick. Um, so uh, imagine you you uh, use uh, Binance, you withdraw, and then you actually sell some Bitcoin to someone who then uses Wasabi. Um, Binance can't see that that isn't you who just haven't added one jump and then uses Wasabi and you still own the Bitcoin. So it, it's, it really causes problems. And, and I agree, maybe, you know, if we could only get everyone to use, well, Wasabi or some other coin join, uh, then they're like, they wouldn't have a choice because then they would have to shut down their, their exchanges and they don't want that. They want to run, you know, they want, they want to earn the money. Uh, exactly. All right, uh, Juan, please go ahead. Yeah, I mean, this is a problem that, that's been identified in Bitcoin for years. And it's that there's, uh, you know, Bitcoin is not, it's not completely transparent because it doesn't care about your name or your color or your country or your date of birth. It doesn't care about any data. It doesn't even know about those things. But it also isn't, it isn't anonymous, as much as anonymous as, as, as it would need to be to be able to protect itself from this kind of sort of surveillance, um, let's say, attacks, right, or controls, right? And, and that's one of the reasons that there's been other cryptocurrencies that have risen to try to improve this. And, and to some degree, it's a very difficult problem. And Satoshi just didn't have an answer at the time. Or maybe he just thought that had been in the middle of that spectrum of perfect surveillance, transparency, and, 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 and perfect anonymity, if possible. Maybe being in the middle was the fair path to take. I don't know what Satoshi was, was thinking or what exactly happened. I suspect it was just... It was just difficult to do anonymity at the time like we have today. But the reality is that, um, you know, we, we've there's been a lot of conversation about this. And, and, and one of the one of the one of the threats to, to Bitcoin is 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 that that surveillance attacks of this sort start to crack its fungibility. Fungibility is one of the qualities of money, which means that one Bitcoin, one Bitcoin equal one Bitcoin and, and not one Bitcoin if transparent equal one Bitcoin and, and if dark then equals one Bitcoin negative five because now you gotta go to sell it in the five percent you gotta go sell it in the black market because it's sort of it won't be accepted into sort of uh, off ramps and so on. So if you end up in, in a market where some of the coins are transparent and some of the coins are dark, then those that there's gonna be a price difference between those those uh, those different coins. And, and, and this is something that happens in general anyway, right? Like it, it like the, I wrote a big article on fungibility a few years ago in Bitcoin Magazine, and I'll tweet it below after the show. But um, this happens in general. It's kind of like like uh, arbitrage, right? There's arbitrage. There's arbitrage between having cash and moving money in the bank account. And there's different, to some degree, there's small differences in prices between those two forms of the same money. Uh, something like this could happen in Bitcoin, and it could maybe happen even even worse. It could be bigger because now you 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 maybe the exchange you're trying to sell your Bitcoin on won't, won't accept it. So now you gotta you gotta connect to local community. You gotta do local Bitcoin. So you gotta meet people. You gotta build relationships with local traders. You gotta maybe maybe start uh, start getting businesses involved, right? And I think I think we need to get entrepreneurs to start integrating Bitcoin Bitcoin and, and a huddle strategy into their businesses so that we can grow that this economy. Um, all of that said. I think at this point, it's basically, I think at this point, it's a civic duty, essentially, to, to do 
coin joining Bitcoin because the only way that this is that we're, we can fight the surveillance attempts that the attempts to turn Bitcoin in a, into a surveillance grid is by the wasabi sort of pseudonymity and anonymity, the coin mixing uh, ubiquitous, right? There's a, there's a principle in, 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 a, you know, in, in anonymous coin design, which is that the privacy has to be by default. And this is, this has been played out over the years between Dash, Monero and Zcash. And as far as I'm concerned, I think as far as a lot of sort of technical people are concerned, Monero is the best in privacy because it has default privacy. There's no option to be transparent unless you reveal your private key one to one. But there's no, there's no, there's no, um, you know, every transaction gets mixed and every transaction you have plausible deniability unless you opt in to, to, to reveal your, your, your account, right? Whereas with Zcash, you have transparent addresses and then you can blind them. And with, with, with Bitcoin, you have transparent addresses, which you can mix, right? And so default privacy is the best place to be and we're not there and we have to, you know, I think it is kind of uh, in, the, in the place of civic duty now to simply mix them because it's not solved at the protocol level. Lightning, the Lightning Network might bring um, might bring this level of privacy in the coming in the coming years, but um, there's a lot of growth that has to happen. Uh, Chris Black in the chats. I don't know if he's serious about this, but this would be an interesting thing. Coin Join Day is coming January 2020. That would be funny to have a, a Coin Join Day, like a day everyone. Okay, this is the day everybody uses Coin Join and and, and creates a. a a huge mix of uh, of Bitcoin there. That would be fun. Instead, hey, but hey, for now, proof of keys is coming in in January. So remember that, people. Okay, okay. I think. Uh, did anyone else have anything else to say about this topic before we move on? Yeah. Can I just add one more thing? Yes. Perfect. Yeah, that's so, YouTube. Yes. So I think uh, I, I think that Satoshi understood that you have to make a trade off early on between complete um, uh, completely publicly verifiable supply and default privacy. Um, so some of the problems that we're seeing with these privacy coins is that it's incredibly difficult to verify the supply. And we have no idea if any sort of inflation bugs have been introduced. Whereas in Bitcoin, we would be able to see instantly, regardless of the if the transactions coin joined or not, whether supply has been uh, adjusted or inflated. So I think that's the kind of the, the bullet that, that Bitcoin had to bite. But moving forward, and uh, and now that we're introducing um, different uh, obfuscation techniques like CoinJoin, and then in the future, Schnorr signatures, we'll be able to get a much higher level of privacy. And then on the base layer, um, and then what I'm kind of envisioning is a massive CoinJoin with a Schnorr signature that's then immediately pushed to the Lightning Network. That's pretty private or anonymous at that point. Like it would be very, very difficult to track where the funds move after that type of transaction. So I think it's coming. I mean, we can certainly get better, but it's something that's actively being worked on and I have hope for the future there. Interesting, using using all the tools that are out there now, basically in one big mumbo jumbo there, big combo. Yeah, that's interesting. All right, well, let, let's move on to you, Phil. Uh, what Un Unchained Capital, and an article that I mentioned when it came out, Bitcoin Magazine uh, talked about this caravan and uh, this uh, trying to make multi-sig mainstream. And people are always asking about multi-sig, especially after JW comes on the show. So tell us what this uh, tell us what this is all about. Your product over there. Absolutely. Um, well, our 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 primary products are we have two. We have a. a, a a collateralized US dollar loan, and we have a long-term uh, vault, but both of these are based on collaborative city, which is our implementation of multi-signature. Um, so the idea there is that we believe that Bitcoiners should be holding their private keys and should be having as much control over their Bitcoin as possible in any given financial uh, service or, or exchange. Um, so if you wanna get a US dollar loan, for example, it doesn't make sense for you as an individual to have total control, but having one out of three keys uh, might make sense in that scenario. Um, but one of the one of the, the most um, asked questions that we get from our customers when they're investigating Unchained Capital is what happens if Unchained Capital just disappears, right? So we've seen plenty of exchange hacks in Bitcoin 
And um, we don't want something like that to happen to us. And if something like that does happen, we want our clients to be able to spend funds externally. And so the way that we did that is by building this tool called Caravan. And Caravan makes it incredibly easy to both construct multi-signature addresses as well as spend multi-signature addresses um, from an open source implementation. So on GitHub, Unchained Capital has a hosted version, but it's very straightforward to fork your own and, and, and host it on GitHub. And it's, it's really as simple as choosing your quorum, so one of two, two of three, three of five, taking your hardware wallet, so it works with Ledger, Trezor, and then Hermit, which is something that Unchained Capital developed, plug them in, and you have your address. Um, so 2020, we feel like, is going to be the year of multi-signature. Everybody should be learning about it right now, and Caravan just makes it really simple to learn about it. You just go to the site, plug in your devices, you have your address, you can you know test sending and spending. Um, and then we have a lot of additional cool functionality on the horizon that we're, we're planning to introduce to help people learn more about multi-sig, use it easily, and then be able to spend um, kind of ubiquitously across any of the multi-signature uh, providers that are out there. All right. That's a good summary right there, people. Link to below. These dudes are all linked to below. Uh, thank you for that. And so if Phil's talking about what he's doing, these guys are in motion. So let's hear about what uh, Juan is doing, uh, a product that he sent me, uh, when he didn't send me the act, he told me about this product. Uh, what's it, uh, I, I got the name of it down here somewhere, the uh, the phone hodl, right? Is that what it's called, what's it, what is, what is, what is That's it? right. Yes. Yeah, that is the phone hodl. So this, this came out of uh, years of me being paranoid about losing my phone. Um, I've, I've recognized over the years that A, you have your two-factor authentication in here, right? You may not have a backup. Even if you have a backup, if you lose your phone, like I don't know how many 2FA codes you have, but I have like 100. Doing re Recovering 100 backup codes would take me a few hours, like two, three hours probably, one at a time, maybe a couple of hours, right? It would be really frustrating. People have wallets in here with money, um, and there's all kinds of media and, and, and photos and dick pics and, and, and contacts, you know? You know, you have your telegram in here. Uh, I, I was at a party uh, months ago, and, and my phone decided that it was a good idea to uh, basically fell in a bag of tequila, and it drowned in tequila for like half an hour, an hour. Crazy story. Uh, well, it was dead for like weeks. And uh, the result of that, when I got it back, is that I had to like, I don't know how it was very complicated. I ended up losing access to my to, to my Telegram account and so on. And so basically what I've learned is that these things are very important. You got to really protect them. And there, there were there are $500, right? Um, if average, if, if people are willing to pay up to $1,000 in bounties to get their phone back, some studies from like 2015, 2016, people are willing to pay $1,000 over the price of their device to get their device back. So what I've been doing over the years is just basically tether myself to the thing, right? Attach myself to the phone. Uh, I've accepted that I'm, I'm, I'm an Android. I, 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 I've embraced it. You know, I am one with the machine. And so I've just sort of tethered myself to it. And then earlier this year, I just kind of said, well, you know what? This is a good product. People like it. People sort of notice it. Maybe I'll make something elegant. So I decided to make this. It's uh, It's got real leather. This is uh, black, bluish uh, pull-up leather from Mexico. And it's got a little yo-yo, so if you drop it, it catches it, right? And I got a, I got a full video I wanted you to play. I can try to play here on my computer, and uh, we got a little special bonus for people watching it. Otherwise, you can find it on my Twitter, like it's it's the it's pinned to my wall. And uh, if you want to separate yourself from it, you can separate yourself from it temporarily. That's a little paperweight and so on, paper uh, like grip, clip. So this just it's just a little phone accessory that could save your phone. People. You know that the most forgotten phone, uh, uh, sorry, item on Uber uh, is phones. People lose their phones on Ubers all the time. Uh, on average, people lose uh, a phone every year and a half, more or less. Uh, so I, I think, you know, I, I'm trying to help solve that problem. I'm, I'm trying to keep you tethered to your phone. And that's phonehuddle.com. That this is, I think, is a great idea. Again, it shows you don't have to have a technical uh technical device or technical sophistication to add to this space. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of people keeping everything on their phone, all their crypto information, but people are going to do it. So you might as well have it 
linked up to you so you don't lose everything. I mean, I would freak out if I had all that stuff on my phone. But but anyway, yeah, I don't think we could play the video because you're not okay. you're kind of blurry right now anyway. But okay. they're they are all he's linked to below. The, the, and go check it out what the product is and everything. All right. So we got everybody talking about what they're doing. And I love this. I love that people are creating stuff like this. Uh, entrepreneurial spirit. Anders, what are you up to? Right. Um, well, first of all, I want to make sure I said uh, before we I potentially forget at the end of the show. Thank you very much for having me on again, Adam. It's uh, it's always a pleasure and it makes me feel pumped and I'm happy to go pumped into this uh, weekend. Um, and great to be on with uh, these uh, great guys on the panel and, and learning a lot of stuff. And that that uh, Juan's um, uh, uh, huddle, phone huddle. Um, I looked at his uh, Twitter account yesterday, and and I thought, is this a, is this like a, a great thought out meme, or is like is he actually selling this thing? And um, uh, it, it's a great. It looks like a great product. And the video you have there is really funny. And I recommend people go and, and uh, check out um, uh, Juan's um, Twitter profile and, and then go to the Twitter profile of um, the product and, and check out the video. And uh, thanks, man. I think it's I might real. be getting I'm, that. I'm actually selling it. It's real. <laughs> thanks, yeah. man. Yeah, it's, it, it, Glad you enjoyed oh, it's it. great. And uh, I have a family member who exactly through her phone in a lake, I think about two weeks ago, and uh, still the phone is dead. Uh, which has to be taken to uh, Apple. I don't know if they can, you know, fix it or not. If it'll or, or it'll dry up by itself. Anyways, all right. So what I'm doing um, uh, currently, I'm um, advised to give Bitcoin.io, uh, which is, I think, a um, fantastic um, service that I've um, been invited aboard to. Uh, essentially, that is um, it's solving the problem of us true believers, fanatic believers that want to gift our family members or friends with a little bit of Bitcoin. But we know it's a monster task because at the same time, we got to educate them about Bitcoin. We got to educate them about how to take care of it in cold storage themselves. So what Give Bitcoin uh, does, GiveBitcoin.io, um, I know you have a link in the description, Adam, is at here, you go on the website and you can send whatever amount you want to the email address of your friend, and then they, they sign up themselves. Uh, yes, it is KYC, etc. But you know you, that's the only way you can do it. Um, so what happens is that um, the Bitcoin goes into a time lock so that these people, the receivers, are not um, tempted to sell it for a dirty fiat gain uh, just because there is a pump coming, you know, the next uh, 20 months. Um, and um, it, so it's time locked for at least one year, but up to five years, you choose. In that period, the first year, they'll be given a lot of uh, education. So they will understand economics, they'll understand Bitcoin, they will understand how to take care of the Bitcoin themselves um, and their, uh, you know, uh, cold storage and do it themselves. So once it's released from Give Bitcoin and and the storage, the um, um, uh, the storage that it's in uh, with a custodian, uh, not Give Bitcoin, but a custodian, uh, then they are able to take care of it themselves. You know, because they have been educated. Uh, and, and the reason it, it was created was the, the our founder, uh, Corey Klipstein, uh, years ago was given you know, a, what today would have been a sizable amount of, of Bitcoin, I think. And uh, he didn't really care too much and he didn't get the education and he didn't know how to take care of it and he lost it. So he realized there was a great potential for that. So um, uh, that's a, a project I think is a great way for us Bitcoiners to uh, help spread the the knowledge about Bitcoin and the understanding of Bitcoin, um, and it 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 could I th and I think it will work as a catalyst to spread this Bitcoin further and faster because each time somebody like has that aha moment goes down the rabbit hole, then and you you want to you know give Bitcoin to five family or or, or friends um, then. Um, uh, it, it just goes faster, you know, those rings in the water when the stone splashes. 
Um, so that's one thing. Uh, another thing I started doing is so I'm, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time, and and you know that Adam, because I've mentioned it pretty much every time I've been on your show. Thank you very much. Um, that you know, I've spent a lot of time trying to understand and analyze this whole um, uh, th this this um, swing between bull markets and bear markets that are very much driven by the having event. I already mentioned it earlier. You know it. You know um, the 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 up. It starts as an uptrend before the having. Then it goes fast and fast, and then it starts really being a bull market with a FOMO peak pop, and then it goes bear market. Um, and like, when does that start? When does that end? So what I started doing is, um, I opened an account with eToro um, in in US, which is the world's lead, leading um, social investing uh, platform, where um, where I um, I trade this knowledge, and I, I do not recommend anyone trading Bitcoin in general or or putting their you know main holding of Bitcoin behind this because that that would be too risky. But you know um, what I could what I would tell a friend or have told a friend is you know keep ninety five percent at home secure or what whichever way you want to keep it secure and then maybe um, you know five percent of it. Um, what so what you can do is on on eToro if you open an account and um, uh, uh, you need. $200 in there, that's all you need, then you're able to copy other people and it doesn't cost any money to copy, for instance, my portfolio, which is exactly trading this. Um, and I gave you the links, I know you have them below in the show notes, um, where if people open an account with eToro in US, they get $50 when they open it. Um, and then you need to have a total of 200, then you can copy people. And so that's what I'm, I'm, I'm doing now, um, trading this, uh, bull and bear market uh, swing, and I, I think um, you know with a focus on mayor multiple as well, not taking any chips off before that goes above two. Um, likely, it won't happen again until we hit a hundred thousand, and then you know I think it's it's a good idea to take a little bit chips off um, as it goes up from there because we don't know if the top is going to be a hundred and five or if it's going to be three hundred and fifty or five hundred. Um, that, that's what I see as kind of like, you know, um, I think the most likely um, band would be somewhere between two hundred and four hundred thousand dollars as the next top uh, in 2021 uh, before there is a bear market. I don't think this bull market is the one that's going to take us into hyper Bitcoinization. Um, I, I think that is the next one, to be honest. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's that's. Um, Another thing that I'm I'm doing now, and um, I'm uh, planning to start kicking life back into my old YouTube channel that I haven't been active on for more than a, a year, just because I've been busy with so many different things. Um, and and then use that YouTube channel, and people can use all you know whatever you know the informational analysis or education for free and do these things themselves. Um, it's you know it's. Uh, um, it's totally out there, uh, the information. I'll, I'll gladly help. Um, or if you have an eToro account and copy, it doesn't cost anything uh, to copy another trader. Um, you just need to have minimum $200 available for doing that. So, I, yeah, I think I've said enough. But, uh, yeah, that's I'm, I'm passionate about that, uh, you know, the predictability and trading that predictability. All right. In motion all over the place, dudes. Well, we're getting to the end of the show here. Chris Bleck just sent something in the super chat. Thank you very much, Chris Bleck. He's been on the show numerous times. He'll be on again in 2020, hopefully, if all goes well. All right. Uh, let's get our uh, conclusionary remarks here. Uh, things that you want to share, things that were left out. Uh, Juan, we'll start with you. I think it's been a great show. I think we talked about a lot of good topics. I think this uh, this coin joint privacy topic is going to become a, a big a big um, theme in the coming years. Uh, I think Adam Back said a few years ago that the next he thinks that the next big consensus sort of crisis or or or, or Bitcoin drama is going to be uh, is going to be around privacy, uh, and he said that right after the big sort of uh, scaling fork, right? And so 
yeah, I think that's kind of, I think that's the next, the next grounds. Again, you know, we, we, I think we need to see Bitcoin be useful in places in, in hostile environments, you know, and I'm not sure that's happening or if it is, there's not enough attention or light coming to that. I would like to see more, more interest in, in, in helping Hong Kong sort of protesters, for example, use Bitcoin and leverage it and, and do what they do. And I get, I get, I understand that it's a risky thing and no, nobody really wants to put their face on it because it is the Chinese government we're talking about here. But, um, you know, I like to see more of that. And I think there is, there is a grassroots, uh, uh, interest from, from some of those, uh, groups, some, from some of the Hong Kong protesters and, and activists, uh, in it, like some some of them know about it, right? I'd like to hear more about Venezuela. I'd like to hear more about the hostile environments, you know, uh, because if it can't survive there, then 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 it's only going to function in, in 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 first world countries. And first world countries have stable currencies in general, right? So, unless there's a big global financial crisis, then what are we doing, right? Uh, I do want to say, uh, interesting that you bring up Hong Kong. Uh, it just recently, I talked on yesterday's show, uh, some activist just had their bank account shut down a huge bank account because yeah, uh, they said it was a uh, money laundering. The government said it was money laundering, but it wasn't, it, it was, they were raising funds for protest, but if they would have used Bitcoin, that, that would not have happened. So uh, the, the use cases there, so people have to wake up to that. This exists that you do not have to, if you're in one of these sketchy situations, you really shouldn't be relying on uh, traditional finance mechanisms to to uh, to finance yourself. Not a good uh, confiscatable. Those are conf you want unconfiscatable when you're working around the edges there. So uh, yeah. good, 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 good. You brought that up. Yeah, the account had seventy million dollars in it. Uh, uh, Hong, Kong, seven, Hong Kong yeah. dollars. So it's a lot. That's a lot. Hong Kong dollars. Okay. Yes, Hong Kong okay, dollars. okay. But still, that that is quite a bit. Quite quite a bit of money, whatever. Right. I don't know what the exact exchange rate is. I think it's one fourth of our. It was millions of dollars. All right. Okay. So yes, very good. And remember, we do have guests from Venezuela on this show. Check out the archives. Just a few weeks ago, we had some Venezuelan dudes here. But yeah, we need. It, let's see how Bitcoin operates in those uh, in, in in these areas. Good good points, Juan. Thank you for being on today and everything. And I link Juan is totally linked to below. I link to the video that he's talking about. Um, every everybody everything everybody's talked about is link, we got lots of links below this video so do check them out people all right Phil your your uh, conclusionary thoughts absolutely and I think uh, kind of the previous point how do we make Bitcoin unconfiscatable and that's by getting private keys in the hands of Bitcoin holders not your keys not your coins everybody should be using hardware wallets. Um, once you've got to the, the stage of holding your own private keys with hardware wallets, get on multi-sig, you know, do it with Caravan. If you want to hire a security partner, come work with us. Um, but what we're seeing for the, this like third generation of Bitcoin companies is that they're all looking for uh, a way to hold their private keys. So we're, I think what we're, what we're going to be getting away from is the centralized exchanges that we're seeing and uh, more into a collaborative uh, custody future with, with multi-sig and with um, private key ownership. So I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about at least uh, the, you know, Bitcoin being held and, and transacted with via private key. I think we're, we're already seeing uh, a new generation of holders that are demanding to hold their private keys. And that, that makes me really excited about the un unconfiscatable uh, future for Bitcoin. Awesome. Awesome thoughts there to conclude it. All right. You get the final word, Anders. And thank you, Phil, for being on today. Awesome, as usual. Man. Yeah, great to be on, man. Uh, yeah, I'd, um, I'd, I'd just like to kind of um, go along with what uh, Juan said, that um, scalability, really, we have solved uh, with uh, with SegWit and, and Lightning Network uh, being possible because of SegWit and uh, and definitely privacy is, seems to be, um, oh, it should be, and it is, then the next focus and, and, and um, for, for Bitcoin. And, uh, and that is partly being solved by Lightning, uh, as I understand it, I'm not very technical, but, but Lightning Network uh, does uh, give, uh, I believe, a, a lot of um, um, fungibility 
to your to your payments that people can't necessarily see where they come from and you know track the rest of your uh, savings um also the people it goes through can't see it and i i think so i've seen noticed that there's been a few like negative um remarks about lightning network obviously from the uh people supporting other coins um especially b trash and um and i i think that's really you know that, that what they're talking about what they're saying is that the growth is not there but uh, i think that is just a matter of because i know i'm personally i'm really waiting for it to come out of beta and they and they say okay guys now it's safe to have a hundred dollars um or, or two hundred dollars or five hundred dollars on it once it comes out of beta and it becomes a safe um network to use on top of bitcoin i think that's when it'll explode um and that's where when a lot of people will make sure to have a lightning uh, network uh, wallet on their phones and uh, um we'll start use it and and uh and then i'm sure and then all the talk about snore signatures and these other things which i don't technically understand either but as i understand it a lot of privacy is coming to bitcoin so i'm i'm so confident that we'll have all the privacy we need just it's a matter of you know a year or two or something like that strong hand people be patient yes you know don't do anything risky on lightning it's still in beta just like he said people forget that people forget that so this is when we play the long game here. We're going to look back on this in two, three years and just, I mean, look back on how things were four years ago, how, how things have evolved. It takes a little bit of time, but when you look back at it, it doesn't seem like that much time in the long run. Well, Anders, thank you again for being on the show. Thanks to all my guests. Hey, I just want to give everybody a sneak peek of something that I just found out about personally. I will be in Los Angeles, California from February the 12th until april the 6th that is uh just been uh, confirmed to me so for my fans in southern california which there's one of them right there anders is there adam yes yes uh, we, we gotta we gotta talk together then because let's have you as a uh speaker at my uh, meetup in los angeles uh sure. if we can if you can fit that in, in your schedule let's do one evening because we had you once and I, I can just tell uh, it's the same with Vortex because once one thing is you guys sit and you're uh, host on a show where you have to ask other people questions. But when you come out and you do a presentation like, you know, both you and Vortex have done, um, it, it, there's really a lot of um, quality um, information. It's very giving. So uh, please uh, do um, allow me to somehow arrange something. You can come out and and uh, give us a presentation on right. some topic you find interesting. Century City, baby. I'll be able, somehow I'll be able to get from uh, West Hollywood to Century City. It, there's ways of doing it. Of That's, course, close. Okay. That's close, man. Yeah, it, relatively. Rel okay, LA. So LA people, you got a little sneak peek there. I Thanks a lot, guest again. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Remember, subscribe to the channel, like this video, share this video. We do this Every Friday is this week in Bitcoin. You never know what time it's going to be on. There's a new show here every day. Saturday night, I'll be back with the Beyond Bitcoin show. We talk about all sorts of subject matters. Uh, and again, Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Enjoy your weekend and enjoy all sorts of holidays that are coming up. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Sad. -bye. So let me uh, push stop live stream. Bye. Happy holidays. This is Trace Mayer, and you're listening to Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister. Anyways, this is a public service announcement about the annual celebration of Proof of Keys. That's where the entire community withdraws all their Bitcoins to addresses where they hold the private keys and run a full node. So visit ProofofKeys.com to learn more about why and how you should participate. And please make a small change to your Twitter handle to show your support. Thanks.